You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Take a Bow, our 10th episode. Eli, Ooh. we've done 10 episodes. I know. This is so exciting. This is so exciting. Hi, guys. I'm Eli. Yeah, that's it. Oh. <laughs> that's the story. That's the sentence I mean. <laughs> I'm so sorry. This is Eli Tokash. <laughs> no, I love it. It's okay. Um, you know what? That hello <laughs> was just the best start of our 10th episode. It was just so happy and elegant and energetic and I loved it all so great job on that intro thank you thank you so much I'm so excited I can't believe we've done 10 episodes I feel so proud of us yeah and we've saved like one of our best interviews for the 10th episode so I'm very excited about it oh you're gonna love it also we want to thank everyone listening thank you so much for supporting us for 10 episodes I mean we want to do this until like a hundred episodes and more like beyond so like (laughs) imagine we like reach a hundred episodes and we're like look back at this we're at 10 episodes guys listen it's so funny because every time we try to like have those recording spouts where we just record a bunch of interviews i always feel like i run out of people and then Mm. i'm always like constantly constantly every day thinking of like two or three new people that we could have oh yeah yeah, yeah. this is actually like endless so I don't know how we could ever run out. So I'm very excited. And like everyone, there's like a new person that joins the Broadway community every day. So let's be real. We can't, we're very excited for this. So. And if you have any suggestions for people you might want on the podcast, then tag them and tag us and and just- Yeah, DM us, comment on our picture or fi- find a way to get in touch with us and we'd love to hear. And speaking of listening to our episodes- Thank you to those of you who uh, tuned into our Live at Five on Broadway.com on Monday. Uh, Sydney and I had so much fun. It's not too late, if you didn't see it, to go to YouTube and search Live at Five Broadway.com, and you'll see Sydney and I as one of the first couple videos, actually. And so you'll just scroll down until you see us. Yes, and it was hosted by Paul Wontorek and Charlie Cooper, who I think it was Charlie's like first time co-hosting this thing, and she killed it. And obviously yeah. Paul is just the most wonderful human on the planet. And we had a lot of shenanigans. And <laughs> <laughs> go check it out. You'll know what we mean. But um, kick back, relax with a mug of coffee and – that's a reference go check it out to get that reference (laughs) yeah and we also had a beautiful article written uh basically about the live at five by caitlin moynihan who was actually running the live at five and doing all the tech stuff for us Um, and i think it was also her first time running it too was her first time like i think you're right doing the tech because usually i believe she helps co-host yes and she killed it too 
Yeah, so. she. So props to her. I mean, there was awesome like slides and videos that they popped up and stuff for the news. So they had a really cool show going. Um, I hope you guys enjoy it and you can catch some a bunch of like Broadway news. Keep up with the current stuff. Speaking of current stuff, um, my mind is kind of going crazy right now. So I want to introduce <laughs> a little new segment, maybe idea. Lately, my family and my the people in my apartment building were like pretty much a community. So like my neighbors and everything, you know, they turned to like me and my siblings and they're always kind of wanting to know what the newest and current stuff is. So mm-hmm. I wonder, Sydney, have you ever heard of like the term slaps? <laughs> like, oh, this podcast oh, slaps. Yeah, yeah. These podcasts slaps. You yes, know? I like, have. It sounded really weird without context, but yes, I yeah, have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, but isn't it interesting how I feel like there's a new trend every day that yeah. gets started? And the other thing is, is that every day is like a new national like something day. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? It like is national interesting. Donut day, yeah, national what's, like what's today? What is the national? I don't know. Let's look it up. Let's look it up. Okay, I got it. Oh my god, this is so exciting! Today <laughs> it is actually five national holidays. Not what? national holidays, but like national days. Today, July 30th, Thursday, uh, the day this is being released, it is National Chili Dog Day, National <laughs> Father-in-Law Day, National Whistleblower Day, National Intern oh. Day, and National Cheesecake Day. Oh, so you can my. finish off your chili dog with a great cheesecake dessert. <laughs> <laughs> While celebrating your father-in-law, your people that called you out your whistleblowers and your interns thank you <laughs> thank you so much okay uh, well that being said today we have a really Amen. special guest he oh my gosh he is so he's such a beautiful human being we have taylor trench on who has been in six broadway shows um he's been in everything it's unbelievable and he stopped by to talk about his experiences and all of us all of his different broadway shows where he's done plays and, and musicals and readings and he's gone on tour and he's been on broadway so we hope you love it we definitely did and we love taylor and after this episode, you're going to fall in love with him. <laughs> yeah, and before we turn it over to him, uh, Taylor's doing something great at the moment Ooh, where yes. he's actually bringing Broadway to your home. You can catch him out on Broadway Podcast Network's new musical podcast called Bleeding Love. Go check it out. He's on it. There's so many other Broadway stars like Mike, Mark Kudish, uh, Rebecca Naomi Jones, um sarah styles tony vincent all of these people and they're all incredible the story's great so if you're looking for like new musicals to listen to go check out bleeding love because he's in it and he's incredible yeah so take it away taylor trench the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Joining us today, we have a very talented actor. His impressive six Broadway show resume helps back that up, and you can currently listen to him at Bleeding Love the Musical, which is a new musical produced by BPN and more. It's a podcast, so you can listen to it on any of the BPN platforms, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. He's been at at least one of your top five favorite Broadway shows. Everyone, this is Taylor Trench, and we are so excited to have you. I'm so excited to be here. Hi. Welcome. Thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. Can I just be a geek for one second and say that Sydney, I saw you in Fun Home, and Eli, I saw you in Finding Neverland, and both of you individually were like my absolute favorite parts of those respective shows. I was like truly so blown away by both of you, so I feel a little like, to be here. (laughs) That's so nice. Thank you. It's true. That means so much. Thank you so much. I have to say, I saw you in Matilda, because like every new group of kids would go into the show, and I'd be like, I have to see them, because we (laughs) all knew each other. (laughs) So I saw it like 18 times, and like, I loved your performance. So, oh, God, this is crazy. You're currently on Broadway in To Kill a Mockingbird. Yes, yeah. So well, how while, is... while Broadway's on hold, yes. While Broadway's yeah. on hold. And you're playing a six-year-old boy, which Classic. is pretty cool. Yeah. Playing uh, yeah. <laughs> How was your reaction and, like, how did you find out that, like, we were going to be on a pause and what were the steps that was taken? I remember the Schubert Theater where To Kill a Mockingbird is. We share a wall with the Booth Theater and mm-hmm. I remember we like caught wind that an usher at the Booth Theater got sick. And that, that's oh. like when little rumbling started happening in the theater. And we were like, what's, like, what's going to happen? Are they going to shut us down? And then I think like a couple of days later, there was that official announcement from the governor that was like, you're done for. Mm. And we, we, all, we all thought it may be like two weeks, three weeks, but cut to now. <laughs> right. And yeah. by the way, speaking of the Schubert Theater, don't you hold the title for like the most shows yeah. in the Schubert Theater? I think that's true. I think it's like me or Bernadette Peters. And we are, we get confused. Oh my God. Wait, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> wait, so how many, has it been three or four? Three. To okay. Get to Kill a Mockingbird is number three. Wow. So Matilda, Hello Dolly, and To Kill a Mockingbird. And, to kill a Mockingbird. and then next we're going to do a three-person production of I don't know yet. Well, we'll we'll figure it out today. And that's, that's, what, that's what's going in next. So that's your home, basically, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. I think by now I, I get to just choose what goes there. I think that's how <laughs> Oh, that yeah, works. for sure. You spend more time there than in your apartment, I'm sure. Truly, yes. <laughs> um, so, Taylor, it seems like you have a trend of playing, like, kids. You have, like, young features. You look so young. You look oh, like you're yeah. 16, so it, like, totally works. Do you find, like, any challenges, like, playing a kid? Totally. I think the, the older I get and the further away I get from being an actual child, there's, like, some, something about the world, and I think even New York, that, like, hardens a person. And so, like, I feel like with each passing year, it becomes, like, a little more difficult to tap into, like, childlike imagination. Have you yeah. guys found that at all, even as you've you both started, like, playing such young Ooh. characters, and now that you're entering, like, 
teenage young adulthood sort of vibe like has it been at all a challenge I'll tell you what when I was younger and I was nine mm-hmm. even then I had trouble playing kids because I always wanted I was like I just feel more comfortable saying the adult lines like that's totally. just normally how I would talk but uh-huh. then like stuff would come in where they would just have children talking like three-year-olds I'm like this is not how we talk right right so I naturally always kind of gravitate more towards the older lines because mm-hmm. sometimes Kids' lines are hard to do and, like, make, like, convincing and, and genuine. Totally. Yeah, completely. But, yeah, and then and then now we're teenagers and, yeah, for sure, we're definitely, we can't, we can't play 13-year-olds anymore. Mm-hmm. But, and, and then, you know, we're kind of stuck in our own kind of age range, 16, 17, 18, where they're probably just going to go for an adult to play younger. So, yeah, right. I guess, Sorry. I think for sure. <laughs> That's me coming in. Snapping. <laughs> I mean, hey, that's fine. I mean, I would love for you to audition as the same role as you one day. It's funny because similar to Sydney, when I was a kid, I wanted to gravitate towards the adults. Mm-hmm. But now, like, as I'm transitioning into a teenage phase, I, like, want to play a kid again, but I can't. So I know there's something about when you're little, like, all you want, maybe it's, like, this desire to be taken seriously or something, but you want to, like, like I'm more mature than you think I am. <laughs> and then finally you get to that place where people are like, okay, I'll treat you like an adult. And you're like, wait, no, wait, I'm the baby. <laughs> when did you start acting? I did like community theater when I was like five. I did a production oh of God. The Wizard of Oz and I peed my pants opening night. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. Iconic. <laughs> yeah, iconic for sure. And it's like ever since then I fell in love with it and have not stopped. My like first professional job wasn't until I was, I think like 19. And that was in, was that was in Spring, spring Awakening? Yeah, that was, that was the National Tour of Spring Awakening. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh nice. Wow. Yeah. That's so, so your first ever professional job was a tour. Yeah. Obviously, having your first professional job be off-Broadway or Broadway, that's huge. But then having it be a tour where you literally have to pack your life up in a suitcase and then yes. just leave and just have that be the first professional thing that you do, that's scary. Totally. How, was it, how did you manage that? It was so kooky. There was no way to prepare for it, really, like having had no previous professional experience. It was also like New York houses are like big, like like obviously like you – growing up like you do like a show in school or something and like your parents come and you do three performances of it and you're like Woo-hoo! yeah and and then like doing a show in new york there were like you know a thousand people see it but then in some of these houses like on tour we would go to theaters where like five thousand people were sitting there watching you so no even way. that like the adjustment of like doing a play at my high school to then like performing for five thousand strangers in georgia like yeah. It was so kooky, but it was nice to be, it was like, with the exception of a couple of adult actors, most of us were all like within a couple of years of each other. So it was at least nice to know that you were not alone, that you were like surrounded by people who were trying to navigate it at the same time. That's nice. Yeah. You're all in it together. And exactly. and Eli also has been on tour. He was in a tour with my brother actually in A Christmas oh, no Story. Oh, of and, course. Yeah. And he always talks about how the thing that really made the tour was the how, first of all, you have everyone, you travel together and then you pretty much like live have together sleepovers and, every right. night. You have to live together and all that stuff. And it was really the family that they made that made the entire experience worthwhile. For sure. Yeah. Well, did yeah. you have a parent come with you on tour or did you have like a child wrangler? What was? So my first professional show like you was actually on a tour with Mary Poppins and I did that for a year and a half. Oh, cool. I had huh. my mom on that one. And then for a Christmas story, I had my dad. Okay. So it was nice to have like a family. And you were, there. you were Mary Poppins. You played yeah. Mary Poppins. Oh yes. Of course. Yeah. 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 I heard amazing things. Just like a transformative. <laughs> yeah. 
Thank you. Yeah, My favorite was sure. playing in LA because I was able to fly over the audience. Okay. So, Taylor. Um, hi. Hi. You have been in six different Broadway shows. You were in Wicked, Matilda, The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime, Hello Dolly, Dear Evan Hansen, and most recently, To Kill a Mockingbird. And you have originated roles, but you've also been the replacements for some roles. Both are really hard to do. Can you kind of talk about the difference between originating roles and replacing people in roles? Sure. Yeah, you're right. It's they're both like unique challenges. For so many actors, originating a role is the dream. Like you would love to be the first to ever like say lines and like have songs written for you. And, you know, from then on, like every production of it, you're like the blueprint of the role. But then because there are no, there's no like framework and you just get to invent everything. That means there are like billions just an infin- infinity amount of like choices you can make. And so that sometimes is like so scary because you're like, what do I, what do I choose? How do I make this like a specific real person when like the world is my oyster? Mm. Um, and, but then with replacing, there's like the pressure of whoever played the part before you, like especially in Dear Evan Hansen, like mm. having to follow Ben Platt, who people were like, this is the best performance of all time. <laughs> yeah. like, you can't help but be like, oh no. But there's also and there's something like kind of nice about knowing you already know the show works because if it's like stayed open long enough for you to step in as a replacement, you're like, okay, well, at least it's like people seem to like it. <laughs> and, and and the director has like already established some sort of like boundaries for you as an actor to play in. And I think that can be sort of helpful sometimes. For sure. And is it ever like I, I'm I'm sure it's kind of like maybe intimidating to go into a role. But is it ever intimidating the prospect of, oh, you have to go into a role and you have to make it your own, but you can't deviate so far from the character that people are like, whoa, hold on. Is that prospect <laughs> totally. ever intimidating? Yeah, it's so true. You like want to, whatever I do, I always try to bring like myself to it because that's ultimately what will make it different and interesting. Is that like the choice that Sydney would make or the choice that Eli would make is the choice that no one else would make. So like the more you can sort of like call upon your own experiences and instincts, the better. But sometimes like, yeah, like what I want to do, especially in Dear Evan Hansen, like sometimes the things I wanted to do tonally didn't make sense mm. in Dear Evan Hansen because I'm a little bit like waka waka, like <laughs> in general in life. And that like, Dear Evan Hansen is not exactly like, like broad comedy. <laughs> so yeah, it's so true. It's like you have to find the balance of like, how can I be different? But also how can I honor what, the creative team has already like established as being true about this show. For sure. And, you know, bringing yourself into the role will in turn make it your own, make it yours. Mm-hmm. Kind of speaking of which, you have been in a lot of roles that have been like super happy and light and comedic, but you've also been in a lot of roles that have been <laughs> quite dark. And in uh-huh. Dear Evan Hansen, you had to balance that, the comedy aspect of the show with the darker and the deeper and, and the more emotional aspects of the show. And comedy mm-hmm. and drama, they're they're both different and, and both difficult in their own ways. Do you, which one do you think is easier for you? Or like from your own perspective, can you kind of explain how, you know, from an acting perspective, they're different or similar to each other? Sure. You would think like, if, as long as you're like telling the truth, as long as you're like, doing your best to be honest in the story that like, it doesn't matter if it's a comedy or a drama. That's always what I try to tell myself, but it's, that's like not really the case with comedy. There's, there's like music and timing and the smallest thing, like the smallest movement of your feet can like step on a joke and ruin it. And in drama, I feel like there's a little more, there's a little more freedom to like be a little different every night. And in comedy, I feel like it's, 
you really want to like try to hit your marks mm. and make sure it's successful. I guess those are like the big differences for me. To say on the topic of like going back to when you were, were like replacing roles and stuff, a few weeks ago, we had talked to Andrew Feldman and about how he was able to bring his own Evan to the table. And when you see like Taylor Trench's Dear Evan Hansen, like you see like how you made it your own and how different the show how different of a show you made and so i just wanted to pick your brain a little bit about that and how because you say you're we have a blueprint but you really really made it your own and so i just thought that was thanks cool. yeah i was lucky because i didn't i i was always like doing something whenever like dear evan hansen was in washington dc first and then it was off broadway and then it eventually came to broadway mm. and like broke everyone's hearts open and every time it was like in a production, I was lucky enough to be doing something else. So I never, I didn't get to see it until like right before I started performances. Even though after I saw it, I was like, wait, I want to see it 800 more times. But I only really got to see it the one time. And there was something nice about it because I didn't have Ben's performance wasn't like stuck in my mind. Like I hadn't, when I joined a Spring Awakening as a replacement, I watched it like probably like almost a hundred times leading up to it. Cause why, when we'd be rehearsing, we'd go and see it every night mm. that way. Then I had like the actor before me, I could only hear him saying the lines for so long. And it took me a longer time to like push that away and take ownership over it. And yeah, with seeing Dear Evan Hansen only once there was never like, like I wasn't hearing Ben saying mm. these lines. So I felt like that made it a little easier for me to inject myself into it. I, Cause I basically just had the script to work with. So I'd read a line and be like, how would I say this? What do I want to do with this line? And I think that was helpful in sort of making it my own. How do you relate to Evan? Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, my arm is constantly broken. Really? <laughs> No, I've never broken a bone. Have you? Oh, no, I really? haven't. No. Oh, my God. I hope we don't. We're lucky. Ever. I know. Yeah, let's knock on we wood. We all fall. We all immediately <laughs> skip and fall yeah. podcasting somehow. <laughs> Twins, Matt <laughs> I relate to Evan because I think I, in like my whole adolescence, I always felt really um, like ordinary. Mm. I didn't think there was anything like too special about me. I just had such a, and I'm still trying to break this habit, but especially growing up, I was always comparing myself to the people around me. Yeah. And I just was, I could, I could always be like, this is what's so special about this person. Like this person is so great at this. And I couldn't do that about myself. And I think that is very true of Evan. That was probably like the biggest point of connection between me and the character. Yeah. And something that has kind of been a theme in our podcast that a lot of people talk about is the fact that in this business, especially there's so much comparing, like a ton of comparing, I'd say, maybe more so than than other businesses. So sure. um, that's definitely, I, I think, something that a lot of people struggle with and it's a universal thing. And I think that's something, that's one of the reasons why Dear Evan Hansen has really touched people's hearts is because a lot of people really do feel like him. Totally. Yeah, so this business, it's like, sure you both have experienced it too like you go to callbacks for something and you see you see exactly who your competition is or and i don't like to think of it that way but you see like you're like well one of us leaving here today is going to get the part yeah and then maybe yeah. you, if you don't get it maybe you go and see it later and you like look at what that person's doing and you like, can't help but compare yourself to them it's so hard to sort of break yourself of that oh yeah sure. absolutely do you have any like memorable stage door stories one time I signed a toilet seat while doing what? Spring Awakening. No way. Yes, you said that way too casually. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I was also like, has this? I didn't ask, but I was like, have you 
sat on this or <laughs> what has passed through this toilet seat before I touch it? Did you just, did you just do it? Did you just like not ask any questions? Like, yeah. Okay, yeah, I I'll think I just willingly signed it. Didn't wash my hands after. Oh, good for you. I know. Oopsies. Good thing for <laughs> <on> the weather. <laughs> good thing. And that's our time. That's the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and then there were on the flip side, doing Dear Evan Hansen, there were like so many. Dear Evan Hansen and the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime were like two experiences where every night I'd go out to the stage door and like someone would be just like inconsolable and the show with curious incident it was often like parents saying i've never been able to relate to my child like i've never understood what life is like for my child and now having watched this play i feel like i have a better understanding of what they go through and with the Irvin hansen it was the same thing it was like i a lot of parents were like i have a child who struggles with depression or has attempted suicide and it was so hard for me to connect with them and now like through the writing of this musical i feel like i can do that and that has like been those moments are like such highlights of being an actor, I think. Yeah, and both shows are about recognition in that people mm -hmm. can recognize themselves on, on stage, mm -hmm. but um, it's also about, in these shows, different groups of people that haven't really previously been acknowledged or recognized in the past are now being finally acknowledged and recognized and, and totally. people can relate. In the center of a story. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And, and not only can people relate to those characters, but people who may not be able to relate to those characters can finally like see those perspectives and those stories, which is so beautiful. Mm -hmm. I agree. Like, like, in, like in Fun Home, um, yeah. there are a lot of people that, saw them like for example ring of keys i i say mm -hmm. is a song of recognition it's it's a it's a song of a young girl seeing herself in someone else right. in which a lot of people can see this young girl seeing herself in someone else and see themselves in her mm -hmm. which is really cool but but then also like you said about the parents is even if they can't relate specifically to the story they can see that person in someone else and and really see that that side of the story in that perspective which is really beautiful for sure so everything that you've like been in has been so meaningful and powerful it's like crazy like i don't know you've gotten so so many great roles Good on and, you. Like, right hey thanks to be a part of yeah but curious incident was your only show that you did on broadway that was a play and so like how and do to you kill find a that? Bird, right? Oh, yeah, and to right, right. But before To Kill a Mockingbird, yeah, that was the only play. Can you talk a little bit about like how I guess different like a musical and a play is? Mm -hmm. I feel so lucky. I feel like a lot of the time, I don't know if you guys have experienced this at all, but if you like start out in musicals, I feel like sometimes you like are just immediately thought of as like being a musical actor and people mm -hmm. only want to cast you in musicals and yeah. we have this like weird there's this weird misconception in the theater industry that like if you're a musical actor like you're not you're you can't be in plays because like oh, oh yeah. you're you're like a musical theater actor <laughs> and why why is that different from being a, an actor in plays it just means that like you act and then also do other like you have other skills in addition to that like you both also like have gorgeous voices so yeah <laughs> that's like just a silly thing to me but so i feel very lucky that I got a chance to do to be in two Broadway plays when I feel like that's not the case for a lot of people. Differences are, I mean, and the wonderful thing about plays is you don't have to like wake up every morning and be like, mm, yeah. like is it all there? And <laughs> I feel on an individual level, I feel way more comfortable in a play because I've never been a very confident singer. Mm. Like it's, it just is always terrifying to me whenever I hear like the opening notes of a song start to be played. I'm like, uh-oh, what's going to happen? Same, <laughs> no, same. Yes. 
It's so ugh. as a sixteen-year-old, I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> well, as a thirty-year-old, I'm still experiencing. Like, oh no! It's just empty, like my voice cracks oh, every boy. performance. So, oh, <laughs> <you're right>. no. <laughs> obviously, the biggest difference is like you're not singing, but it's what's nice about that is when you burst into song. Obviously, that's not at all like real life. We don't ever. Well, some of us do. <laughs> in a play, you're you're always in this like one universe, and so I think it's easier to like go on the ride and be present and in the moment. And in a musical, there are so many more technical things you have to, that have to be like going on inside your brain while you're trying to be honest in your scene work and then you're singing and stuff. I've never done a play on stage, but I really want to. Like that's something that that I just, I really want to do. And mm-hmm. I love musicals, but I also really love plays. I think both of them have such beautiful and fantastic and fun prose. And you know, mm-hmm. also some things that are hard about them. Like musicals, I love being able to like burst out into a number. Like mm-hmm. like that's when I went when I went to a musical as a child, like that that was what I wanted to do. I was like, oh my gosh, I want to do that. Um, but then also plays I think are so refreshing and like you said, are more comfortable because you don't have to every morning like, okay, I can't have dairy, I can't have sugar because exactly. dairy will make me <laughs> give me phlegm and then uh-huh. and then I can't have anything spicy. I can't have coffee. Sugar might restrict my breathing. I don't want uh-huh. that. I have to make sure I vocalize. I have to make sure I eat the specific right thing. So it's extremely totally. technical if you have to sing eight shows yeah. a week. But yeah, no, what you said about how a lot of times musical actors are often always associated with musicals and play actors are always associated mm-hmm. with plays. That is true. I've actually never even heard that put into words. But I agree with you that even even if someone does musicals, it absolutely doesn't mean that they can't do plays and vice versa. Right. Yeah, I agree. Do you find other than like your voice when you're in a play or versus a musical, do you find yourself doing different things for your body as well? Totally. I, I guess all the musicals, most of the musicals I've done have been like highly physical. Mm. Oh yeah. Spring Awakening was like so much jumping up and down and stomping and ruining your kneecaps forever. Oh. And Hello Dolly was like just constant like running around and like bumping into things and falling down. And so yeah, it is to- totally there's like you have to be so much more careful about warming up and and more diligent about warming up, I mean, and like making sure that you're taking steps outside of the show to like stay active and healthy so that you're can do the show safely every night. And for the most part in plays, although Curious Incident was like probably harder than any musical I've ever done physically. Mm. Oh, but for the most part in plays, you're like sitting on a couch talking <laughs> to your mom or something, like screaming at her being like, you don't understand me, mom. <laughs> and for some reason, when I think of plays, that's all I think about. Um, Hi, yeah, yeah, you don't. <laughs> you don't have to you don't have to have like as extensive of a warm up, I think, to like safely and effortlessly do a play. Yeah. Mm. True. And because like in musicals, you do have to get your emotional state ready, which is something you have to do in plays. But there's also another added aspect of, I think. Like, are my ankles flexible so that I can do a cartwheel while I sing this song? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, And like, where's my voice at? (laughs) Where's Because it can be different, completely different than the day before. So I think maybe and you know plays are super hard musicals are super hard but i also think in musicals musicals are hard because along with the acting that you have to have you also have to have the dancing and you also have to have the right. singing and you also have to have all these things uh but those yes. both are so rewarding i think so you did didn't you do a reading of to kill a mockingbird before you went into dear evan hansen i did i did uh, aaron sorkin who wrote the genius aaron sorkin who wrote um to genius. kill a mockingbird he 
wrote the first draft of of the To Kill a Mockingbird play adaptation. And he invited, they already knew Jeff Daniels was going to play Atticus Finch. So they invited Jeff Daniels to read Atticus and Latanya Richardson, who ended up playing Calpurnia, and a bunch of other actors to read all the parts. And then the, a plan was always they were going to hire like nine-year-olds to play the three kids and the three narrators. Um, but for the sake of a reading, because it was going to be so quick and there were, it was like just so much text, they were like, why don't we ask three adult actors we know to read the parts of the kids so we can hear it out loud uh, and we can like move faster and we don't have to like teach children all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so they invited me and Celia Keenan-Bolger and Will Pullen to read these parts. And I think like midway through the first day as we were reading the play, Scott Rudin, the producer, pulled Bart Scher aside and they were like, oh, maybe maybe it makes more sense to have these parts played by adults because we start the show looking back on our childhood and the whole play is sort of us remembering what happened. Mm. And so, yeah, that day they decided to have it all be actors and then they invited the three of us to play the parts on Broadway, which that's the only time that's ever happened to me. We're like in the room with someone has been like, you have the job. You no can like way. come be on Broadway. And we were like, ah! <laughs> that's me. And I was like, oh my God, yes, of course. Yes, 100%. <laughs> and then I left and suddenly realized that like a week prior to this, I'd already signed a Dear Evan Hansen contract. And I'd already like committed myself to, yeah, uh, which was also a, a phenomenal oh, experience. Sure. And I would like never trade it for the world. But I was like, wait, no. So it was tough to say goodbye to. And I feel so lucky that I got to revisit it and come back to it later. But also learning that it was going to be Gideon Glick, who is one of my best friends and favorite actors. It was like the perfect, it couldn't have happened better. Beautiful. And yeah, that is something really tricky about the business is sometimes you have to choose between multiple incredible projects. Mm -hmm. And that's always, that's always, yeah, no, that's always really hard. So hard, but like what a great problem to have. (laughs) Yeah. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Can we talk a little bit about bleeding love? Mm hmm. Um, so Taylor, talk a little bit about this because this is something that's really not normal, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Like 
it, what a perfect time to do it because Bleeding Love has like its own little version of quarantining and all that stuff. So talk about a how it was recording this even though you had to do it like from your homes Mm -hmm. and trying to connect with other actors and stuff but also how you were able to relate to the character and the story yeah yeah you're right it's like so kooky all the all of the actors who ended up recording the podcast we all recorded a demo version of this just the music like five or six years ago and then when this happened, when the pandemic happened and Broadway was shut down, Broadway Podcast Network and the writers of Bleeding Love teamed up together to release this musical because it's so, it's about a group of people who, it's too dangerous to leave their homes and what like perfect timing. So reflective <laughs> of today's world. That's so insane. I know. It's like you couldn't write it. Yeah. Oh, I guess somebody yeah, you could. <laughs> I guess you can write it. Yeah, I did it. In fact, write it. But it, one weird thing was like, because we'd already recorded the music, all of the music you hear in the podcast is what we recorded like five or six years ago. We like only recorded the dialogue in our own homes. And so it was a weird challenge to try to match the energy and like choices you were making five or six years ago. And then also try to make something new with people you weren't in the room with. It was so peculiar, but I, I guess it was like a great lesson and a reminder that acting is really just about listening to other people. And like reacting to what you hear, because that was all you had was just listening to voices and then (laughs) saying whatever made sense after that. Oh, so you were able to like have them in your ears as if you were having them a conversation. Yeah, exactly. It was sort of like what we're doing now where we're all like recording together, but we're in separate places. Like we could see and hear each other. You just couldn't like physically be in the room with them and like energetically have some sort of, yeah, exactly. Interesting. Yeah, that's so cool. This is kind of yeah. groundbreaking because I don't think it's ever be really, really been done before, has it? Yeah, not that I know of. It, I mean, it feels similar in a way to like radio plays from, you know, like a hundred years ago, <laughs> where people would like before you could go to the movies, you would like gather around your radio and listen to actors, like just read a play out loud. But even then, I'm sure all of those actors were like in the same space around a microphone, getting to act together. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it is so, this does feel new, like uncharted territory where everyone is remotely doing their own part of the play and then someone somewhere else like puts it all together on their computer. It's yeah. It's kind of like amazing. making history. You're making yeah. history right now. <laughs> it's the coolest thing. I totally, I, the second it comes out, I totally want to listen to it. That's the coolest it, thing in the world. All three episodes. You're kidding. Let's check it yeah, out. Yeah. Okay, I okay. have to go check it out I, right now. I think today. You both just click, you leave immediately the podcast. Like, You're like, okay, goodbye. Yeah, shut up. I'm listening to the podcast. I finished it today. I went I away. It. Yeah. Away. I finished the third episode today. I watched the first two, like when it came out, but <laughs> the third episode I didn't get to. So, your character, you play Sweet William. Yes. And he's like obsessed with roses. <laughs> yes. And, yeah. and, and do you have like any obsessions or like even obsessions like during this quarantine or anything that's a great question i mean like my obsession during the quarantine is like eating i guess (laughs) i'm just if something like if there's not a cookie in my mouth like it means i'm asleep yeah (laughs) what are my obsessions harry styles honestly (laughs) who doesn't though right he's so cool and good i wish i had like a beautiful obsession like roses like sweet william does but my it's truly just like cookies and harry styles any tv shows or anything but Ooh. wait, but cookies and Harry Styles 
is the coolest obsession. Yeah. You're right. You're absolutely right. There's and no I, shame in that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I appreciate your support, both of you. Um, what am I watching? Oh, I just started watching a show called Normal People. Normal. I don't know if either of you have watched that. It's a little explicit. Oh. <laughs> is I it mean, on Netflix or? It's on Hulu, I think. Oh, okay. Oh, nice. I, truly, I, I should know. I watch it all the time. But my <laughs> every time... This quarantine, I don't know if you guys feel this way. Every time I like put my head to the pillow at night, I can just feel like a little part of my brain slip out of my oh. ear and like it's gone forever. No way, really? Yes. Like turning your brain into mush. Yes, truly. It's like just soup in there now. Oh, that's <laughs> great. What kind How of How are soup? you two feeling? Um, French onion, I guess. French onion. Uh... Just like something stinky. How are you both <laughs> feeling during this like kooky, spooky time? I have to say, I've never been busier. Well, I've been busier, but like I haven't been this busy in so long. So I haven't really taken a moment to just like chill out for a sec and really mm -hmm. take in what's happening. But I've been using this time to get so much stuff done. I'm getting my splits back. I have been to watch so many TV shows. Excellent. How to get away with murder. Um, mm -hmm. Keeping up with the Kardashians. Essential. Which I just got into, <laughs> and I just realized it's so entertaining. Oh, yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> it's insane. And uh, eating Takis that my BFF sent to me because I one day was like, hey, I'm going to kind of die without Takis. And then he just goes on and he orders them for me. Um, so I've been doing that. It's actually been pretty relaxing for the most. Like when I'm not, right. when I'm having been doing like the fundraising stuff, it's been pretty relaxing and just kind of chill um that's good which is good because i haven't there hasn't really been a moment where i've i freaked out which i've been trying to prevent right. myself from doing this entire time and i've succeeded yeah, yeah. and that's hopefully we're getting to the end so i hope so okay yeah e eli your experience oh i mean it's been great i mean i'm doing school unfortunately oh, right. it's been more school work than i've done the entire year um, <laughs> we're doing the podcast so there's another thing and like when i'm not like just busy and like trying to create entertainment you know mm -hmm. i i like to watch netflix i like i'm watching the vampire diaries at the moment oh wow have you I've ever watched, watched. no but one of my best friends from college is in it oh who this actor named chris wood i think he plays a character named kai wait 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 wait, 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 wait. wait is he the guy who's married to melissa yes yes oh, who plays supergirl yeah no yeah freaking way Are yeah you, yeah okay. one of my friends from okay <laughs> let's I, talk more about this okay i'm not like Kind of, but like definitely I'm kind of in love with Melissa. Oh yeah, uh, she's she's also like the kindest, funniest. She's like one of the great human beings on the earth. Absolutely. You gorgeous. can tell. You can tell yeah. she's kind. And so yeah. is him. They're having a kid, right? They're having yeah, a kid. Yeah, I know. That's so exciting. Oh, my so God. exciting. They're both going to be such incredible parents. That is okay, so I'm not at the part child. where Kai comes into the season yet. Okay, okay. But I do watch Supergirl, so I know him from there. So Oh, right. That's right. He played, what, Mon, no. El, Mon, yeah, Mon, 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 Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, Chris Wood played, when we went to college together, and he played Sweeney Todd, and I played Pirelli in our school's production of Sweeney Whoa, Todd. Oh no way. So yeah. you can Sweeney Todd too? Oh my God. Yeah. What show haven't you like been <laughs> like really want to be in? My dream right now, do you know Kristen Milioti who was in Once and she was she was in the like final oh. season of How I Met Your Mother. She ended up playing the mother like in the title that everyone was like, who's the mother? And it was her. <laughs> it was her. She's this... She's like one of the best actresses. She's if you have either of you watched Black Mirror ever? Yes, I have. Yes. Okay, she's she's in an so episode good. of Black Mirror that you have to watch. It will like blow your mind. Which episode? Um, 
called, I think it's called USS Callister, I think is the name of the episode. Oh, I can't. I can't. uh, Okay, I'll go look and I'll see if I watch it. Check it out. Look it up. It's so good. It's about she like works at a video game company. She like develops video games and then her boss like puts her like being her mind inside of a video game and she's like trapped in the video game. And it's like the most incredible performance. Anyway, my dream is to be in cabaret with her, but we switch playing the MC and Sally Bowles every night. <laughs> every I single night? That. I think so. That's legendary. I think so. If you guys want to be in it, we'll be lucky to have oh, you. Oh, yeah, for sure. Maybe we, all four of us to switch constantly. Yeah, all four. Um, yeah, yeah, mid-show, yeah. like every song, like every <laughs> tag somebody in. Yeah, tag Taylor, I didn't know. I don't know if you know this, but like I'm a very good dancer. So like if you need some background oh, dance, Eli, dancer. you're in. You're, you're, every sing, you're every single Kit Kat girl. There you go. Come on. Where do I sign? <laughs> yeah. I take I take this verbal conversation. That's, your contract is signed. Oh, great. Thank you, you can't get out of it. Sorry. Also, it's eight years and you can't get out. Mm, oh, my goodness. That sounds great. That sounds like that. <laughs> hey, I have a job for the next eight years. That's not bad. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, this Eli is, great. is like a professional ballerina. Wow. Yeah. No, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm worried, dancer. Me too. I'm, when, when I got the part of Hello, Dolly, first of all, we had a, there was like a big dance call for Barnaby because the character breakdown said strong dancer in all caps. And like, that is not me. <laughs> I am horrible. I sprained my ankle in the dance call oh, on no. the very first step. I like went to do like a bell kick to the side and just fully sprained my ankle. Oh, And I was like, oh, I'm not getting this. I couldn't even, I couldn't last like 30 seconds in a dance call. Oh no, but you did. Wow. But I did, and Beanie Feldstein, who played Minnie Faye opposite me, she, yes. she was in the same boat. Where it was like strong dancer, and she, her dad called her like seconds before our first rehearsal, as she was walking in to be to meet Bette Midler for the first time. Her dad called and was like, "Beanie, I just read that it says Minnie Faye is supposed to be a strong dancer. What are you gonna do? <laughs> like, that, it's gonna be bad." And she was like, "Thank you, thanks, Dad. I feel very confident now to go meet." What a great pep Bette talk. Midler. I know. Thank you for your support and encouragement. I appreciate it. What are you going to do? <laughs> You're going to ruin the play, Beanie. You're a horrible dancer. <laughs> uh, I would like cry. <laughs> yeah, we did basically every day. We fell a lot during that show, Beanie and I. Oh, oh really? Well, at least <laughs> yeah. you're good now. That's Nothing true. too serious. <laughs> Still haven't broken a bone, so good. That's, that's true. You're right. You're right. <laughs> that reminds me. One performance of Fun Home, I fully, <laughs> fully face planted on stage. I don't oh. know how I did it, but it was this oh, one no. like p- part where I was like supposed to. We're in like the New York scene, and uh-huh. all of the siblings come into the apartment, and then we run in through the door, and then slam the door on our other sibling, and are like, "Land shark, you have to say land shark." And like when I open the door, I think because the door is the door, <laughs> it comes up through its own like trap door, right. so there's right. a little mm-hmm. tiny gap in the stage, and I think. Oops. You like that, that is what I on, and I legitimately like oh, it couldn't no. have been it couldn't have been a better if there was a competition for face planting <laughs> I would have won you would have taken home the gold I'm I surprised don't... I've in the Superman pose alone that you had to do I feel like every night I would have just like fallen forward <laughs> and cracked my head open really I actually never fell from that surprisingly a true pro yeah true professional there was one well actually no. Even when the even when the um our amazing understudy Jim Stanick, even when he went on, yeah. it was our first time ever practicing that. It was our very first time wow. doing it on stage. And even then, he was like rock Nailed solid. It. 
Wow. Um, but yeah, when I face planted Oscar, Oscar <laughs> Williams, who played my brother and I, we we legitimately couldn't stop laughing. Luckily, <laughs> in our scene, we had to be laughing, but we couldn't stop laughing for until Ring of Keys. I was backstage, oh God, like I gotta get this out. Oh my God, that was oh hilarious. I think I could give you a run for that face plants because really? Neverland, we could we literally just didn't stop running around the stage and like yeah. on the bench and everything. And then Pippin, I was like on a balancing ball and oh, like right. oh my gosh. Not the times that I fell off that. I don't oh, know. It'd yeah. be countless. <laughs> I didn't Rachel Bay Jones I seem to remember Rachel Bay Jones even fell like off of her tricycle, which like Oh yeah. It's a tricycle. Like you should that's it's designed so you don't fall over and somehow still she just like tipped over <laughs> like it's super small so like yeah. it's it's like hard to steer in everything especially when you're like as tall as her like yeah. she's not a short girl like no. also she's like she's got too many other skills like she's already a brilliant actress and singer like it's it would be too much to ask for her to be a really good tricyclist <laughs> yeah. exactly oh my gosh that's too funny i forgot you did that show i loved that show what a like kooky experience like doing pippin alone is like so special and hard and to add on all of those elements you had to do like how cool yeah. and scary and fun yeah i learned a lot of cool tricks there <laughs> i mean i it's crazy because everyone that i talk to like now are like i didn't realize it at the time because i was so young but everyone was like i'm an actor like they were asking me to do trapeze what is that <laughs> like <laughs> And I was like, yeah, I mean, that it makes sense, but I never thought of it like right. that. Because we did have, like, real circus people that right. like, would be hard to lose. It would, I didn't really know who was who. <laughs> like, it was my first show. I was totally. like, well, also, Like, everyone's being asked to, like, do a backflip through a hula hoop. So you're like, I guess, uh, <laughs> I yeah. guess we're all circus performers. And I <laughs> I'll tell you yeah. what, that's my favorite part about being an actor, though, is sometimes you you have to learn new skills. But that's Completely. the coolest thing, because then you get to learn new skills for free. Totally. I once had to learn to. I did a, a musical at Williamstown Theater Festival, and I had to learn how to ride a unicycle. <gasps> Uh, which I, I don't even know. Uh, I don't even know how to ride a bicycle. I never learned. And so I was like starting off with the hardest thing. Uh, I had to ride a unicycle and play the violin at the same time while riding the unicycle. It was so hard. I worked so hard on it. I finally mastered it. And then they cut it from the show. No, <laughs> I was like, no. ah, like, we're doing, I don't care. We're doing this. I learned how to do it and we're putting it in the show. <laughs> hey, but it, yeah, so now I to, to learn it, even if you didn't, even if you like, you mastered it and you got it. That's true. At least I have like the personal satisfaction of having once played the violin while riding a unicycle. Do you think you could do it if Ab you like? Absolutely not. Oh my God. Oh. <laughs> I'm sure I would like the, the, how hard you both hit the ground in your respective face plants on stage. Yes. It would be like 10 times that how just, oh, I would no. break. We've never broken a bone and I would in that moment, break every bone for us. Oh, great. Oh, that's. You'd break three, one for each of us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Take, take one for the team. Or take three. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. You got it. Anytime. Well, this has been so much fun. I know. Really Thanks for having me. And it's been so great to talk to you. You're so nice and humble. It's oh, a pleasure meeting you. It's a pleasure to meet both of you. I'm such <laughs> fans for life. We're so, oh, we are fans for you. life of you, too. Uh, yes. You're such a beautiful human being. We love you. Love you, too. Yeah. Can't wait for our production of Cabaret for the next oh eight God. years. <laughs> and this is going to be the best. Thrilling. Gonna, as soon as this quarantine lifts, everyone go see him in To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah, please. It's incredible. <laughs> Hey, thanks. Yay! <laughs> Take a bow, Taylor Trench. Yeah. Wow. You know, I have to admit, Sydney and I 
neither of us knew Taylor, like Ned met Taylor or anything like that. So this was the first interview that actually none of us had known the guest. But I and I and I have to say I was pretty nervous yeah, uh, coming on and talking because not only did I not know him, but neither did Sydney. So we were like, hmm, how's this gonna go? And I have to say, Taylor coming on and just saying that, you know, he saw us and he saw you in Fun Home and saw me in Neverland, like I I was just like kind of starstruck for a moment. And I yeah, was like, Oh my god, away. this is amazing. But at the same time, it was like the perfect icebreaker that I didn't know I needed. Cause it just instantly uh, relaxed me and I was kind of like, okay, so like he knows us and you know, we know him, like we know his work, like this can work. It, it'll be okay. It'll yeah. flow. And from the second he came on, he has the, he has the energy that makes you feel like, like he's an old friend. Like, yeah, you know, those people who, who you talk to them and they just make you feel so comfortable. You feel like you've known them forever. That's the kind of guy Taylor is. Also, I had a couple of technical difficulties. Oh my so, gosh. So he was actually so nice about it. Oh, and was I, I was so... like freaking out. But it was so good because like thank God Sydney was there because he Sydney she had someone to talk to. Um and I was just like freaking out and I came back on and he was like, Oh no worries, don't worry oh, about it. Totally he was fine. so I was like, Wow. He was so understanding. Yeah. So understanding. So... And he was like, It's okay. he was like, No problem, it's fine. Yeah, and he, the, we were just able to pick up right back where we left off. I know, so. and, and we were freaking out, and he was like, it's okay. Yeah, he was like, it's, it's okay. Like, it, it's tech. It happens. <laughs> Relax, you know? So we're great, very thankful for Taylor, and we loved him. So we're excited that he was our 10th episode. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed it as well. Um, there, There's a couple th- more things that I wanted to mention not related to the interview. Um, this is going back to the Broadway Live at Five. On the Live at Five, we were asked by Juliana Patera, big friend of the podcast. Um, yeah, shout out to Juliana. Yeah, uh, she asked us what our dream role would be. Mm-hmm. And Sydney, what did you say to that? Oh, my dream role is is definitely for sure something that hasn't been written yet or something right. that I, I will write someday. Right, right. So I said that I would want to do something that wasn't written yet because I haven't been in an original Broadway cast. I also said Seymour from Little Shop of Horrors. And I also said, like, every other teenager, Jervin Hansen. <laughs> but I thought, like, at the same time, although I want to do that, I also – there's two more that I that came to my head, like, instantly after I answered the question. Mm-hmm. And those two were I would love to play J.M. Barry in a revival of – Finding Neverland, oh. and I would love to play um, Philip, who Zac Efron plays in The Greatest Showman, because oh. I feel like that's going to come to Broadway. Do you think so? That would be perfect. Oh my gosh. You know, I really think that could come to Broadway, and I would love to play Zac Efron's role. I would love to watch that. I don't think there's yeah. a role in it for me, but oh my Are gosh. You, that... you could so play Jenny Lynn, like the, the Never Enough. Could I? Yeah, you so could. Just like you're, you're, you're like, you could totally pull off a British person. Like, you kind of look British, not going to lie. Also, you like, <laughs> well, are thank very you. I am, in fact, 50% British and Irish. I know. I know that. So that's why, so it, it works you, perfect. Man. And, and you know, like, you're just all your elegance and everything. Like, I just feel like you could just pull off a role like that. You think I'm elegant? I do. I do. 
Oh, that's so interesting. I think I'm like the least elegant person in the world. No, and you're and you're very proper. Like every time you ask a question, you're always like, "Hey, question." And I always <laughs> feel like, and I always like, I'm like, "Wow, that was such a nice like way to do it." Because like when people ask questions, it can sometimes come off as like aggressive or something like that. But but when you ask a question, it's always just like. Hey, question. How did this work? I'm, and I'm always so like, glad that, that you think that. Yeah, you like you made my day. I well, I didn't know you thought I was elegant, but thank you very much. Hey, it's my pleasure. You know, as we continue to do this podcast together and get to know each other, you pick up those things. So it's it's the pleasure is all mine. <laughs> um, the other thing I wanted to say is I love you. Thank you. I love you too. <laughs> we also have some cool new interviews coming up. Uh, Sydney and I are getting back are towards the end of our uh, rec- first recording spurt. And so we're finally getting back into recording new guests. So we're very excited about that. Basically, what that means is when we first started out, we were pretty much like, go big or go home. We are going to record at least one podcast every day, if not two, and we're going to like bank with just basically like record eleven episodes within the span 12, of like I a believe. couple weeks. It was twelve episodes within yeah, the span of like a, a couple weeks, and then we started um, releasing. So you know that that was definitely it. Definitely got us a lot of a lot more practice. But also, like, in hindsight, what we probably should have done is <laughs> recorded an episode, listened to it to see if there are any annoying things, like, if we say um too much or like too much. Or even, like, questions that we think of of, like, oh, why didn't I ask this question? Or, like, why didn't I say this certain thing? Like, I don't know. Just stuff Also, like why that. did I say that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just stuff like that. And just to give ourselves mental notes. Yeah, so now we're learning. Basically, we we did a we spent a bunch of time recording episodes, and then we spent a bunch of time editing and releasing episodes. And now we're in the stage again of of mass recording um, episodes again. So we have some really, really, really cool guests, and we're really, really excited to have them on. Um, and definitely notice the difference of these interviews compared to the other ones. So, and I think you're gonna enjoy. at least we hope so. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> But no, for Sydney and I, we're just able to like, you know, cherish it and have more fun with it and be and ask and be better about asking the questions that we wanted to and responding the way that we intended and relating to it a lot more and kind of sharing our stories as well. Yeah. And we're learning so much. And Mm -hmm. we're also getting a whole new perspective of what it's like to be the interviewer as opposed to on the other side of the mic, the interviewee. And we're getting just this whole new respect for interviewers and we're also finding out that it's becoming easier to to be the interviewee in an interview because we're now like thinking in terms of oh what would I as an interviewer want well yeah not only that is it's also making us more comfortable and more confident in interviews because we have yeah you know done 15 now with guests and stuff yeah so that that's been super helpful and that's it was something interesting that we kind of learned about ourselves on that broadway.com live at five so definitely go check that out quick plug (laughs) (laughs) broadway.com so i hope you guys enjoyed the episode with taylor 
Um, unfortunately, I've never actually seen him in Dear Evan Hansen to Kill a Mockingbird, and I didn't see him in Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime, but I was able to see him in Matilda, so I was very thankful for that. But ever since that, I've wanted to see him in another show because he was just so amazing as Mr. Wormwood, Wormwood, because that (laughs) um, character is just, like, funny and hilarious. Um, So when he was in curious incident of the dog of the nighttime afterwards i really wanted to see him because you know that's more of like a serious role and stuff like that um and i was already like a big fan of his and then after that he went to dear van hansen and now he's into kill a mockingbird so i really 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 hope to see him and hopefully when corn this you know pause from broadway comes back sydney and i are both able to go check him out and to kill a mockingbird and hopefully you guys can too Anyway, we hope you love this episode. We love Taylor so much. Taylor, come back anytime. We love you. And we would always, you were always welcome on the podcast. And um, yeah, go check out Patreon. Go check out Live at Five. And as always, stay safe. And we love you so much. Thank you so much for supporting. Cheers to 10 episodes. And here's to many, many more. Well said. See you next week, everyone. Sick beat, am I right? For our curtain call, we wanted to give a few special thank yous to Nikki Torsha and Cormac Collinon for our amazing music, Giselle Bustos for designing our logo, and Tessie Tokash and Sydney Lucas for editing our episodes. Feel free to subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you are currently listening to us from. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the help of Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, Brittany Bigelow, and Katie Rosen at the Broadway Podcast Network, as well as our top patrons, Henry Friedman and Brian Thompson. Speaking of, if you enjoyed this week's episode of Take a Bow, go check us out on Patreon at patreon.com TAB and become a patron today. Through our Patreon, you will form a relationship with us and get an inside look on what goes into this podcast. To learn more about this podcast, visit bpn.fm forward slash take a bow and follow us on Instagram at take a bow podcast where you can contact us with any feedback, suggestions or questions and keep up with all things take a bow. See you next week. Bye, everyone. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time to take your body care routine to the next level. Introducing Osea's bestseller body care set, the perfect companion for your summer travels. This four-piece kit transforms dry skin to silky, soft, and glowing. It features travel sizes of Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae body oil and body butter, clinically proven to improve skin elasticity, along with their anti-aging body balm and salts-of-the-earth body scrub. And to top it off, it's packed in a vegan leather bag, making it a must-have for all your summer adventures. 
Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat yourself to glowing, healthy skin this summer with clean, vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, you can get the Best Sellers Body Care Set valued at $78 for 33% off. Use code SUMMER to save an additional 10%. That's an additional 10% off at OCEAMalibu.com code SUMMER.